You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down in Oklahoma City today uh, in, a pl- in a building surrounded by police cars, which I've never said that before, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, but my guest today is Brittany Ward. We're going to talk a lot about, obviously, what she does. Um, but before we do that, thanks for coming on the podcast. Excited to hear the story. Uh, excited to hear some travel stories. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, because of COVID, you know you're you're back in Oklahoma City. But yes, before we get started, um, did you grow up here? I did not. I'm actually okay. uh, from Texas. And actually, actually, let's go to the waybacks. I was born in Louisiana. Uh-huh. Um, my mom divorced my real dad like when I was I don't know three or four. And then uh, moved to Arkansas, and so my mom was studying to be a teacher with me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, moved to Texas when I was like seven or eight. So yeah, yeah. So you have probably not very early. I have early memories of I guess Arkansas, but nothing that's like really stands out. Whereas early memories are probably more about Texas and stuff like that. I guess both, but um, what I really loved about more about Louisiana. Uh, my grandparents had this huge property there and um, you could see every star in the sky. They had like emus and cattle. And I remember very specifically, my grandfather's like passed away now, but um, as a little person going out to their property and there was a cow there, a calf, and I named it Patches. Rookie mistake. You never name the animals. Yeah. And uh, I'd go to the fence and call its name and it would run to me. And I had this amazing relationship with this calf. And uh, one day I came to visit and guess what? There were no more cows. They got sold and I was devastated, Um, which is interesting and ironic because now I'm a vegan. So I don't know if that subconsciously had anything to do with that. But yeah, so I remember Louisiana just being, uh, I had a really good childhood with my grandparents there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have some friends who played golf in Louisiana, and they loved it. Like, absolutely loved it. And I've been through, and we've been to a few, I've been to a football game down there, and just the atmosphere, I mean, football down there is everything, yeah. isn't it? Going to, going to um, LSU games, and then obviously uh, the Saints as well are big, mm-hmm. and New Orleans is just a different world, isn't it? Like, it's its own, it's its own thing. It, you know, if you've ever been, then you, I don't need to say any more words. Um, cool. So, so grew up in Texas. When did you come to Oklahoma? Actually, I just moved here two years ago from Australia. Nice. Yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah. before we go into that, okay, so grew up in Texas, spent high school in Texas then. Yes. I mm-hmm. went to a massive high school. Uh, there's 2,000 kids in my graduating class. Yeah, it's that's a called, lot. yeah, a ton of that's kids. That's a lot. <laughs> Um, and looking back now, like, I gave a speech at my graduation. Like, I didn't write it, someone yeah. wrote it for me. But, I mean, looking back, I'm like, man, that's because I talked to people here in Oklahoma and they're like, yeah, there were, my school was big. We had like 500 kids in, in my, in my grade. And I'm like, mm, yeah, let's define big, you know? Um, but yeah, I played basketball in high school and, uh, very fortunate that I was able to use basketball as a tool to get me to college. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in a household that we didn't have a lot of money and, um, that was the only way I was going to go to school, really. Yeah. 
And so I got a full ride to play basketball at St. Edwards. It's a D2 school in Austin, uh-huh. right down the street from UT. Yeah. Um, you can walk out the red doors at the back of, the, of our main building, and it's on top of this hill. And you look straight down, and you can see, like, all the way down South Congress to the Capitol. It's a really, really beautiful campus. I Honestly, a lot of who I am today is because of St. Edwards University. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. We played golf. I played golf against them. They had a good golf team too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played their golf tournament down. They cut um, that program now, which is I know, devastating. It's terrible. But yeah. Uh, okay, so so to so grew up in Texas and, and loved basketball, obviously from from day one. Do you play a lot of other sports growing up as well? I played soccer quite okay. a bit. Really, I was that I was a tomboy, mm-hmm. and so I played the whole gambit of sports really. But I gravitated mostly to basketball yeah. and uh, soccer, and eventually. I, I was playing both of those sports at a select level, and then I had to choose one or the other again because of like yeah, finances. Yeah. And so I chose basketball because I felt like I was better, mm-hmm. which is true. I was. I was just the mean kid on the soccer field. <laughs> not like not go, technical, yeah, you know, not technically skilled. Yeah. Yeah, just, in fact, uh, I was asked to play in a three on three tournament once, uh, soccer. Yeah. And uh, to prevent the girl from scoring a goal, I was like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to get this girl to not score goals. So I grabbed her jersey and her pants and everything <laughs> I could grab so she couldn't score a goal, right? Yeah. And then the process prevented the goal. Yeah. Pulled her pants down. Oh. It was devastating. I felt terrible. Yeah. It was not the goal, obviously, I was trying to achieve. Sure. She was crying. I got red carded. End of soccer career for Brittany Ward. School. <laughs> yeah, but, but she didn't score. <laughs> Uh, tell me about this speech thing, because you don't get to speak at a big school like that without like having some confidence in doing it. I, I mean, that it's easy that I, I enjoy doing a podcast because it. I mean, it is live, but also like I, it, I can edit it if I want to. And I, I know that in the background, but standing in front of two thousand people at the age of eighteen, that's that's pretty epic to do. Um, and wouldn't be my last opportunity to speak in front of a large crowd either. Uh, I really believe that I've had a very colorful life and background, Mm -hmm. and I'm very grateful for the good and the bad experiences. They've all made me who I am. And I think that in today's world, we get get sold this illusion that everyone's got it put together. Yeah. And if I can poke- Biggest lie ever. Right, right? Here (laughs) I am, 30, and I still have no clue what the hell is going on, right? Yeah, same. Totally agree with you. And so if I can poke holes in that, if I can be the person that says, actually, no, I I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to be that for people. If I can share my story and somebody can find a way to relate to it or or it can help bring them peace or kind of give them a light at the end of their tunnel, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And so speaking in front of a crowd... I don't know. It's not something that gives me a whole bunch of anxiety. Yeah. So was this something that, I mean, looking at it from that perspective, I totally see why. But also, like, when was the first time you spoke to a group? Was that, like, the first time? Or was it something that you just kind of done, and then it just came natural to you, and you didn't really... Because a lot of people think about talking to a group of 20, and they get anxiety, and they, like, break down and think, that's the last thing I want to do. I'd rather go run a mile. Whereas it seems like it's something to you that you look at it a totally different perspective and it's something that comes natural and it's comfortable. Well, I love people. 
Okay. I get a, it's very interesting because I'm like ambivert. So I get a lot of energy being around people, yeah. but it certainly comes at a cost. And at some point I have to go home and like decompress and unwind and do, you know, certain things to take care of me to fill mm-hmm. my cup. Um, but I'm not going to count high school because like I said, I didn't write that speech. Yeah. I was vice president of our student council. And so by default, I got sure. asked to read or yeah. recite but, that speech. But you also put yourself in that position, right? You, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, a lot of people who, me, one of them in school, like I didn't want anything to do with student council or anything. I was happy to go about my things, but it seems like you were active and wanted to, there's a part of you that wants to make change from a young age. Yes. Um, right? Yes. And I guess at that at that age, unaware of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've been the kind of person that's like a chameleon, and I feel like I can blend in to any kind of crowd, really. Uh-huh. It's not hard for me to find a relatable ground with any person. Uh, I think that might be one of my natural gifts. Mm-hmm. And so not necessarily high school, but certainly in college, I really started to see um, – it was revealed to me how much that really matters to me. Mm-hmm. I met this uh, English footballer. She came to America to play – college soccer Mm -hmm. for Americans and um yeah she she was a bit older because you know how oh yeah how that you know what I'm talking about I mean I was 21 my freshman year okay yeah so So you totally get that totally get it yeah and so her name is Stacy Copeland and she came to St. Edwards University and just really took on this task of being the intermediary between our athletics department and the greater Austin community sector Mm -hmm. And she worked very hard to just always have these uh, volunteer opportunities for us. And so we volunteered with like halfway houses, um, the juvenile detention center, Mm -hmm. with uh, orphanages, and also like at the cancer ward at Dell Children's Hospital. And so I had, I just was always, I just was in awe of her, to be honest. She was so inspiring. And I realized then like the full battle really is same thing as going to the gym, putting your shoes on right it's getting out of bed just getting there yeah and once you're there like my cup was always full I felt such a reward and like Mm -hmm. serving other people and so when Stacy graduated I like filled her role yeah and so for the my last two years of college I accumulated something of like 3,000 plus community service hours good for you that's Um, awesome but it was not like about me it was really more about the lives you've impacted and helping out. Well, getting and, our yeah. athletes exposure to people who aren't like them. Yeah. As this college athlete, you just get like in this little bubble. You see the same people in the training room. You see the same people in the right. eating hall. Like, you know, and I just, I was so thankful that I had opportunities to get outside of that bubble and meet other types mm-hmm. of people that really challenged my values and challenged like what I thought was, you know, capital T truth about right. life. Yeah. So had an absolute blast then. Obviously, the last two years, yeah. you really dove into it and got to lead that part of it, right? And see, because you're right, athletes, like when I was in college, I mean, I played golf, I did my schoolwork sometimes, and that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't you don't really That's have right. a life outside of it, That's do right. you? Especially if you're an international student, you really don't have places to go and mm. hang out after. You're not going to go home every weekend with family, you know, but having that and meeting other people, uh that must have been a really cool experience for the athletes too because then they, their world experience or their natural like 
cultural experience is so much greater because of that. Like you said, it's a bubble when you're in school as an athlete. It's, I mean, there's I mean, a bubble. Like there's a so many bubbles. Job. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I actually dated a uh, a British boy mm-hmm. in college, and so I also under like got a firsthand experience of what, well, not firsthand, but through him, you know, mm-hmm. of understanding how different it is. Yeah, what that's yeah. like. And I honestly, I couldn't understand it. Even though I was dating him, I couldn't yeah. put myself in his shoes. Also, young person, total egocentric, right? Where right. all that matters is the tip of your nose when you're Oblivious a young person. To the rest of the world. That's right. Yeah. As as awoke as I wanted to be, I certainly wasn't. Yeah. And uh, only when I moved to Australia did I really understand, ah, like, I mm-hmm. get it. Okay. I know what it feels like to be in a place where you kind of belong, but don't really belong. You speak the same language, but you have no idea what's That's going right. on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Uh, why Australia? How'd you, how do you get to Australia? So, I graduated St. Ed's. I, true story, finished my last college basketball game. We lost, so we weren't, we weren't going to the tournament. I was devastated. Um, kind of had been going back and forth on like, am I going to play basketball after college? Mm -hmm. Or I knew I just wanted to get out. I needed to have an experience and I just didn't know what that looked like. I was even shortlisted for a Fulbright scholarship to maybe go to Germany. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, finish my last college basketball game, get on the bus. We have to turn in our cell phones to our coaches before games. And so she was handing out our phones and I had a text message from a previous, like former teammate who was already playing ball in Australia. And she says to me, hey, do you still want to play basketball? Because there's a job opening. Yeah. I just I just passed that job up for a different job, so that spot's open. It's yours if you want it. And so, I kid you not, graduated college. A week later, I moved to Australia. Yeah. So I was 21 years old. So you, but you still, what was, what was that thing you mentioned in Germany? Was that a job or was that like playing? No, so that's not sport-related at all. Oh, okay. It's like okay, teaching so you had a, English. Okay, so you had a scholarship to go there. You didn't want to do that, but you knew you wanted to do something. I needed to get out of America. You needed to get out of America. I needed an adventure. Yeah, and you didn't want to do, like, pursue basketball anymore, like, professionally? I was looking at other options. Sure. Not in America, like, else, elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like it was meant to be. Yeah. So this comes up, and you're like, yes, go yes. in. It's, I get a job, so all I have to do is figure out my flight. And then go. Yeah. Got a place to stay and everything, which yeah, is almost like family, literally yeah. the dream, right? Yeah. It's like something got flying halfway around the world. The two main things you want is do I have an income and do I have a place to stay? <laughs> well, if exactly. Those two are covered. Yeah. You are good to go. Everything else is details. Exactly. Details, you yeah. Know? yeah. And even then, like looking back, I could totally see as a parent how that could be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm a little bit oh, older, of course, yeah. But as a 21 year old, I'm like. Pfft, was it a seventeen-hour flight from LA? Uh, Something like that. Yeah. So now there. So now there's yeah. a direct flight from Dallas, which is like fourteen oh, and a half hours. Yeah, I've got to go. But back then. Yeah. There was not. You fly to LA, wait. So it's and like LA or San Fran, then wait, however, an yeah. ungodly amount of time for yeah. your next flight, and then uh, sometimes you go to like Sydney or mm-hmm. New Zealand. And then even then, the next flight. So, yeah. I mean, you're looking at like 24 hours in the air. Yeah. It's you know, miserable, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah, miserable. It's pretty miserable. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. it's. I mean, coming back's worse, obviously, but it's miserable. Yeah. Going there because you're so excited. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're like rife with all these like expectations and you're so excited to have an adventure. And then it's like, man, the, the slug home, man. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what exactly was that job then? What was that job about? What did it entail? 
So uh, I first landed in Australia in a place called Darwin. And okay. so that's at the northernmost tip of Australia, basically Southeast Asia or like Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And uh, we call it the Northern Territory. So it's really Northern Territory. But when you live there, no one says it like that. It's territory. Yeah. And everybody operates on territory time, which I to make it like more understandable, it's like Hawaiian time. It's kicked back, it's laid back. You show up when you show up. If you want your event to start at eight on your invitation, you put 7.15, 7.30, because then people will rock up when they're supposed to, yeah. right? Um, so my job there was to play basketball. And more or less, I didn't get paid to play, but I had no living expenses. Okay. And I had a job lined up. Mm-hmm. And so I was making money working relatively not hard in a beautiful country and just having really great life experiences. Yeah. And the thing is about, if you've never traveled or never spent time overseas, especially in that kind of situation, you realize why you get the opposite feeling. You get the feeling that I get when I come here, right? I have an accent. I'm different. People want to talk to you about something, but it never happens to you unless you go somewhere. And when you go to Australia, people are like, well, you're from the States. So I've actually coined a term. And you can play basketball too. I call this the new puppy syndrome, you see? Okay, yeah. Because you are. are, If you think about when you get a new puppy, oh, it's so Everybody loves it. You love it. As soon as it starts to grow, once you've you've been there a long time and you're like well into the community, it's kind of like, Oh, yeah. She's one of us. Right. It does wear off, right? Yeah, it does. Um, But I spent most of my time in in the territory, but Mm -hmm. I moved around a little bit, and I moved... uh, So from Darwin, I played a season there and then got a contract to play in Perth, and so I played in Mandra, it's Mm -hmm. called. So in Western Australia. Played there for a little bit. I actually got cut from that job, which uh, as an athlete is kind of devastating because yeah, I mean, it, like defines you. You it defines you. It defines you. And does. so now yeah. it's over and you're like, who am I? Now what do I do? Yes. Yeah. yeah. If I have to get a job, what do I want to do? And, well, and I'm in a foreign country. Like, yeah. who, like, what happens now? Does that mean I have to go home? Do I have to go back to America with my tail between my legs? It's just not in me. It's not who I mm-hmm. am. I'm a total fighter. And so I'm like, I need another opportunity. I want to prove myself. Yeah. And so I moved from, uh, I went back to Darwin I had a boyfriend at the time. Uh, moved with him to the Gold Coast, which is beautiful. Incredible, yeah. We laugh because we say, like, the beach. I heard before I moved there, uh, the beach is so clean, it squeaks. I have a video of me walking in the sand, and it's going, ee, 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 ee. <laughs> like, I'm not joking. It's, be- it's absolutely yeah. beautiful. And so we moved there, and I played uh, basketball there, mm-hmm. and I was very successfully played basketball there got some awards and that was really really fun met some really cool people then I moved back to Darwin and I feel like that's where I had most of my growth between these two moments and in fact for a moment in between those two times I actually overstayed my visa and ended up stranded in New Zealand so I was like experiencing homelessness in New Zealand for about a month I was couch surfing and so uh, it just gives you a lot of perspective when yeah. you become that person. And I think people don't understand you're literally one or two moments away from 
experiencing that too. Oh yeah, it's scary the possibilities. Two, one, you're right. Two or three wrong turns, and and that is, you know, like you overstay your visa, which out here really isn't that big of an issue. I mean, I mm. know people who do it. I know all of people that do it, and they get away with it. Um, but in Australia, it's like, I mean, you have to leave now. Yeah, so... Right? And it ruins week, your chance of getting another visa. Yes, right? that's the because main that's thing. That's the thing. It's like, oh, you've, you've, we've, we've trusted you to be here for this long, and, and but because you've overstayed, that's it. We can't trust you again. Yeah. Shame on us, Which right? Which sucks, right? <laughs> yes. And so... Because uh, you, you have to have a job, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. The only so, reason I know that is a previous podcast... Um, was the lady from Bondi Bowls who does the truck. Oh, yeah. So um, Haley, she said the same thing. She's like, I literally had to go get a job and I had a week to find a job. Luckily, she found one. It's so incredibly stressful. Experience. Yeah. And especially if you're in a foreign country, you don't have a support system, mm-hmm. probably don't have a whole bunch of money. Like, it's yeah. it can be very stressful. Yeah. And so, I mean, I ended up in New Zealand and yes, I was like homeless and couch surfing for a month. But I wanted to share this story because this is like pure silver lining moment, right? I was staying with this uh, family friend. He's an old man. He's like 70-something years old, uh, widowed, or is that what you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh And um, I think think so, too. I'm not sure. And I was walking from his house two hours to the city center of Auckland, and back every day just use Wi-Fi. Because, again, 70-year-old man, no Wi-Fi. Like, bless, beautiful soul, let me eat and live in his home. Nothing horrible to say. Just to give you some perspective, he's literally the man on the highway that would pull over and grab a shoe, even though its mate was gone. He still would grab that shoe because, hey, who knows, you might need this sometime. Yeah. Yeah? One of those. (laughs) And so uh, here I am in this coffee shop, like, feverently searching for a way I can get a visa to get out of New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, with little to no money, right? And so I walked out of this coffee shop, and there's the Sky Casino there, and they have all these, like, wood-fire uh, pizza ovens outside. And so I'm like, man, what the hell is going on out right here? It's huge, like, huge crowds forming. Mm-hmm. And so I walk up to one of the security guys out there, and I was like, hey, what's, what's going on out here, you know? He's like, oh, you should stick around. This is uh, My Kitchen Rules New Zealand. They're about to do a wood fire pizza um, competition, and all of us get to vote on who has the best. So you get to eat free pizza. So here I am, <laughs> couch surfing, not yeah. eating very much, yeah. free pizza and TV. Yo, I'm in, right? Yeah. Say less. I'm in. And so sure enough, uh, there's actually a YouTube clip. I got interviewed for TV. You'd never know. You Here's this little <laughs> white girl with her little beanie on. Yeah. Munching on pizza, experiencing homelessness. Yeah. It's like such a crazy... This is the best pizza I've ever tried. (laughs) Oh, this one too. (laughs) It was just just a really great moment. In a a horrible moment, it was a great moment. You know, it was cool. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Pizza good? Oh, it really was delicious. (laughs) I mean, as far as pizza goes, top. So so where where do you go from there? So I eventually moved back to Darwin, mm-hmm. and I play basketball in Darwin, but not uh, so you were, professionally So you were able anymore. to get a visa? Yes. Well, okay. I actually got married. Ah. You see? Okay. So, I mean, I, 
I it was the same person I had been yeah, dating yeah, yeah. the whole time. It's not like right. It's not like hey, we're going to marry you. You're my best friend, and then we'll get divorced. I just need to come in the country. Exactly, which does happen. Which does happen. Yeah. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I got married and got permanent residency, same yeah. as you that, through that. Yeah. And so here I was, newly married and living back in Darwin, not playing basketball for money or professionally anymore. And uh, really, that's when I feel like my life really took a shift. Yeah. And I really started to redefine who I was as a person. And I used to go out to regional and remote areas in Australia and teach basketball clinics. So basketball still served as a mm-hmm. main part of my life. But again, it was still just that vehicle that allowed me an opportunity. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person that always says yes. I think that's where your growth happens. Mm-hmm. You can't shut yourself out to opportunities that might be scary right. or you got to take the plunge. And I think a lot of people want think you should have this whole big plan. Mm. And I think you get muddled down in those details. And at some point, you got to just, like, take the jump. And so I used to travel to these really remote areas. I'm talking, like, one electrical outlet in a whole community of people, right? And this, like, crazy latticework of, like, spider webs of, um, what are the extension cords all coming to this one plug. I'm like, man, this is a hazard, but totally, like, gotta live. I, I get it. I need to charge my phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I unplug one of these? Or no. Um, yeah, it was just really eye-opening because mm. it's very much so, like, third world. And it's this weird mix mash of, like, westernized ideals and values mm. with indigenous culture. And so as a white person, it gave me a lot of perspective. And it's super ironic we're talking about this now because today is Australia Day. And it means different yeah. things for different people, right? Yeah, I saw your post, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, in my limited knowledge of that, I'll yeah. just concede that. Um, but I did work for many years for the STARS Foundation. And our whole mission is to provide better opportunities for indigenous and Torres Strait Islander girls. And so I worked at a middle school and these statistics around indigenous girls is horrendous. Mm. Like more than half of them are incarcerated, end up dead, pregnant, the full gambit of things, right? And so our our job is to make school a place that they wanna be, where they feel supported. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were, like in the school, but not of the school, right? right? So we were in a unique position to form like really cool relationships with them and their families. And anyways, uh, my boss, uh, I'm gonna give him a shout out, Jamarcus, his name's really uh, Mark, I call him Jamarcus, but uh, Mark McLean, and he's an indigenous man. And we used to have just really cool conversations about race Mm. and you know, he, was very open and honest with me. It just created a safe space for us to have open conversations. And so it allowed me to learn a lot and grow a lot and gave me a lot of perspective. And, you know, he's saying to me, the the reason being people want to change the date is because two or three generations ago, a whole generation of people were stolen. Uh And if you don't, I'm not going to get into that. That's not what this is about. But if you're not sure and don't know that much about that, you should really watch Rabbit Proof Fence. And uh-huh. that'll give you a really good indication of what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, it's just a it's just a really interesting thing when you start really putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that work going out to community and uh, working with them. But it just felt like 
I was box ticking for someone else, right? I'm just a KPI right. box on a government grant that, hey, well, we did our part. Yeah. And I really was seeking something a little more meaningful. And so I started working with uh, uh, the Stars Foundation. I also managed something called Midnight Basketball, mm -hmm. which is like so badass. I love that program. Yeah. So you talk about speaking in front of people. Uh, I used to have to address a whole room of like hundreds of young people. Yeah. And from all, all walks of life. And you got from like 12 to 19 or just about to be 19. Yeah. And that program was really meaningful and impactful to me as a person and our community, really. Mm -hmm. And still going now. I didn't create it. I'm not going to try to claim. Yeah. But it was a big part of my stay in Darwin. Yeah. And then from that, I also, I founded the first ever All Abilities basketball program in my community. And that, to this day, is probably my most, like, proud moment is being able to do that and see the joy that it brings mm -hmm. to the athletes, but also like our greater community. Yeah. Special group of people. Yeah, it's it, it's it's hard to put into words and context how much of an impact that has, right? Right. And how much of an impact it has on the community, but also how much it impacts you, right? And it's it almost gets to a point where, and I've definitely said this before, where like, you know, you, you're helping people, but also like you feel so good about this that it's almost unfair how good you feel <laughs> by helping other people, it's right? It's true, yeah. It's a, it's a totally weird thing, yeah. and it's kind of weird to say too. It's like almost not selfish, but it's kind of like, a, you know, you feel amazing by helping other people, which is very unique. Um, so, so you're in Darwin, you're doing all this stuff. Um, what kind of, what year is this? What time frame is this? And then I guess what happens next? So I guess my last bits, like 2014 to about 2018. Okay. So all this is sort of happening over the of a course of four years. Yeah. And uh, during that process as well, I was asked to speak at the Parliament House on International Women's Day. And so I got to address again, like this yeah. room of dignitaries from Indonesia and, and other parts of Asia. And I mean, it was, I mean, I got paid to speak in front of a group of, of really wonderful powerful women yeah. about my own experience of being a woman. And up until that moment, really, I hadn't really thought about what it meant to me to be a female, what it meant to me to be a woman. Mm -hmm. um, and even now, I think, since that moment where I gave that speech, I, I'm like more aware of it, in, I guess, now even. It's right. like I couldn't really put it into words. I was aware of it and existing in that space of yeah. pioneering things for women but I didn't, I didn't understand its like impact and the implications of it, I guess, until now. Uh -huh. And um, anyway, so living in Darwin, playing basketball, started playing Aussie Rules football. <laughs> which is chaos. <laughs> which appears to be, I mean, it is. Yeah. It's like organized chaos, oh, let's it be is, honest. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. especially if you don't know the rules and you're watching it on TV, you're right. like, It's a mix between soccer and football with no yeah. pads. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, like, do what you want. What is but this? kick it between these three posts if you want to and bounce it every <laughs> if, few if times. If you want to. Yeah. Um, Going to the games, I'm sure, is fun. Like watching games. Uh, watching games is fun. Honestly, yeah. playing is so much fun. Yeah. And if you're a basketballer, it it translates so seamlessly into that sure. game like strategy wise and it's a 360 game like mm -hmm. rugby is very linear yeah but you know basketball soccer and Aussie rules footy is yeah. super 360 you can play from any direction uh -huh. right and um 
this is closer to the end of my stay in Australia, and we're playing in our grand final for Americans. That's like a championship. Yeah, world championship for Americans. Yeah. We're, that's exactly. <laughs> Get my right. little plug in, my little dig in there. Personal record. That's my um, that's my biggest pet peeve. <laughs> Sorry, that just it is. But it's a real thing. Yeah, it's the world championship, oh, but of American. Yeah, teams. but of American teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm sure you heard a lot about that being in Australia. Well, that's why I said personal record, yeah. because my friends used to give me a bit of flack about that all the time. They're yeah. like, you you bloody Americans in your personal yeah. record. Like, who are you? Yeah. It's a personal best, right? Like, right. That, it should be a PB. Yeah. Like, what? who's keeping up? With, who's keeping track of your records? Yeah. You know, I, it's like, you know what? That makes a it hell makes total of a lot sense. of sense. Yeah. <laughs> What an ego, like, right. it's just so American, really. It is. It's going to be different. Um, so we're playing in this championship, and I've, like, it's just, like, me and my teammate and one of our opposition, and I've reached in, and I come out, and I'm like, man, you know, like, my hand kind of hurts, hmm. you know? I'm like, feels kind of weird. I've played a lot of sport my whole life, right? Up until this moment, I'd never broken a bone. Yeah. And so one of my teammates behind me, I'm thinking I've maybe just like dislocated my finger. And so I'm like yanking on it and trying to like pull it back into place. And I'm going to use some colorful language. Yeah. This is what she said to me. Like, Brittany, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I, I think my finger's out. Like, I'm, yeah. I think my finger's out. And she's like, well, put it back in. <laughs> It's like, yeah, Typical all right, mate, like, I'm, I'm, yeah. tr I'm trying, you know, like, yeah. I'm, I am, I'm trying. Yeah. And so the ball gets played to me, and I, like, go to, go to pick it up, and, man, it was just, like, man, it was a shit show. It was yeah. bad. And I was trying to pick it up, and I got tackled with the ball, Nothing, you know, and I was yeah. like, all right, something's not right here. I can't touch the ball with this hand. I can only play with my left. And so I, like, asked for a sub, and as I'm sprinting off the field to get subbed out, I can literally feel my hand just going like, like the bones yeah. in my hand, like, like back and forth. And uh, so I get off the field and I'm like, hey, I think my hand's broken. Yeah. And she's like, starts looking at it. And and sure enough, she's like, yeah, you've, you've definitely broken uh, one of your metacarpals here, possibly the other one, but definitely that one. And so she gave me some medicine to take, uh, some painkillers and wrap my hand up, yeah. finished the game. And I don't think my teammates realize, because footy, there's a, quite a few of you, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a giant field. It's not like five of you playing, and right. it's a giant field, so mm -hmm. it's hard to know what's going on for each person all the time. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the game, we lost, and so double whammy, broken hand, yeah. no championship. And uh, we get in the locker room, and I'm asking my teammates to help me so I can get in the shower, because I can't take my clothes off because my hand is broken. Yeah. They're like, oh, I'm sure it's all right. Let's take that, like, wrap off your hand. Like, I don't think you understand. Yeah. Like, I don't just, like, complain. Like, my hand right, like, is, really is, like, broken. Yeah. And so we unwrapped it, and it was so swollen and, like, kind of numb for me. Like, yeah. it hurt, like, deep ache, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was turning, like, awful colors. And they're like, oh, you know, like, in Friday, damn, yeah. it was, like, that moment. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, I wasn't lying, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, broke my hand playing footy. So that was cool, you oh, know? Yeah. I mean, as horrible as it is, it's right. still pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then getting towards the end, I, I, I uh, outside of footy, I ended up getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And then I still stayed in Australia, I think, for like two years after that. 
And the only reason really that I moved back is because my mom had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has this weird cocktail mix of autoimmune things that are wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And so basically it's, it's like trying to figure out this combination of drugs that work to help keep her body at peace or like in balance. And so um, she unknowingly told me via text, I was at a camp with uh, our high achieving girls from yeah. the Stars Foundation. And I made a joke to them like, see, my mom still texts me. Like, it's important. Talk to your, talk to your parents, you yeah. know, whatever. Then I look down and, you know, facial recognition, bless. I can just get a preview of the message. And yeah. um, it's my mom talking about her stroke. And yeah, I was yeah. like, uh, uh, Halfway around the world, like, yes. I need to get home now. <laughs> Right. And yeah. so I said to my boss, hey, I, I need to step outside. And lucky, I've just been so fortunate. Really, I've had a whole bunch of bosses in my life that value me as a person over me as an employee. And I think that that's so mm-hmm. critical in just your overall happiness. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, take care of what you need to do. Talked to my mom. Sure, she'd had, she actually had several strokes in her right. sleep. And it's not like I think what many people listening would think. It's not like her whole left side is paralyzed or she has any kind of right. uh, issues with walking or anything. It's not It's not like that. It's more that her immune system mistakes her, her organs and her body mm-hmm. as an intruder, as something foreign. And so it kind of it, it attacks itself. And it reacts, yeah. Yes. And so it was attacking her brain. And so, like, when I say stroke, like, yes, it's serious, but it's mm-hmm. not maybe to the degree of, of what some people might Got be you. thinking. Yeah. And so um, that, that summer, or summer in Australia, but Christmas time here, I flew back, and my mom lives in Texas. And so I said, you're not seeing your doctor anymore because he's obviously not listening to you. Yeah. Let's, let's, my aunt lives here. She also has uh, autoimmune issues. Okay. So, I'm doomed someday. Yeah. I, I guess some at some at some stage. The writing is on the wall. It's it's yeah. bound to happen eventually. Hence why I'm vegan, trying all the things. Yeah. Trying to protect that second brain, aka my gut. And um, so I was like, hey, let's go to Oklahoma. Let's see, you know, your sister's doctor. Mm-hmm. He seems really great. Let's who we got to try. Right. And so she came here, loved him, whatever. But basically in that, in that moment in the doctor's office with her, it's like, man, I, I have a choice. Mm-hmm. Either I'm 24 hours in the sky, two days away yeah. from seeing you if something like this happens again. Or I'm like a drive or a single plane ride a couple hours away. Yeah. Um, I need to move back. And so me and my dog, my dog Trey. Yeah. Uh, f- hopped on several planes and made it back to Australia, uh, America um, in 2018. So what was it like bringing the dog back? Oh, man, it was so stressful. I mean, I have two dogs, and, like, I want to take them to the U.K., but the odds and the, just the way it, it's not going to work. It's so stressful. Yeah. It really was. Coming here, because there's no rabies in Australia. Gotcha. Uh, he didn't have any kind of quarantine or anything like that, so that, that was great. Yeah. But um, my dog's breed, so he's a staffy mixed with pit bull. Okay. And because of that breed, there's like all these all special... All these black dots or whatever. Yes. That you know, all these bad, bad lists that you're That's on exactly because right. of that. Yeah. yeah. And so he has to... Poor thing is in this like wooden box yeah. crate. And uh, anyways, 
his flight was no doubt a lot worse than mine was. Right. I slept the whole time, Advil PM, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when I got him out, I, it was, I had to go, like, back and forth between this office and then go to this office and then go right back to this office. And I was like, hey, can someone just tell me my dog's alive? Like, right. that's, like, 14 and a half hours he's been in the air and in this box, and I just want to make sure he's he's yeah. good, you know? Uh, I don't need to have him physically. I know you got paperwork and all right. those things, but can you just tell me he's okay? That's yeah. all I, you know? So about an hour or something later, probably a little bit more, I finally was able to get him out, and he was okay. I mean, yeah. he lives here with me, good. but it was a process. Yeah. So you moved to Texas, or did you move to Oklahoma? Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. And now okay. I, I, like, live here. I bought a yeah, house yeah, here. Yeah. I'm, like, a full... Yeah. Oklahoman. Same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, I mean, not a similar story, but kind of. Yeah. Uh, so when you came, so that was what, like 2018, 2019? 2018. Okay. So you get to, why Oklahoma City though? So my grandma lives here. Okay. And my aunt live here. Mm -hmm. And they're like my support system. Gotcha. And. Mom's still in Texas? Uh-huh. Okay. She loves the Texas. Obviously, she don't want to come yeah, up here. Yeah, she'll stay there. Like, yeah. her and my stepdad, and I have two little sisters. Gotcha. I'm, like, 12 and 15 years older than them. Uh-huh. So, uh, they, yeah, they have a full life there. Sure. And I have a full life here. Yeah. So, you moved to Oklahoma City from Australia, 2018, 19. Things are moving. City's growing, mm. kind of. Um, food's obviously pretty good. A lot of restaurants still to this day continue to open I mean what is your first like what are you thinking obviously you've got to get a job what are you thinking about right. work what are you thinking okay. about the city like so you know flying you, in here it's like when you uh, come back to your quote unquote home country yeah you don't exist here no. I like I left as a 21 year old <laughs> so I had no credit didn't barely have a bank account right right so I moved back here and they're like oh that's great who are you yeah you have no credit history like I don't mm -hmm. want to sell you a car. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, like, oh, yeah. Oh, it was such a stress, really. Mm -hmm. And my aunt and uncle really, and my grandma really helped me yeah. get a bank account. I mean, I know the things we take for granted, but stuff really. Stuff that you do as soon as you graduate, right? Yes. It's the stuff that you had to do. That I had in a foreign country. Yeah. You know, I had like, it's such a weird thing because I had all this money, Australian money. Right. But I had all this money, and I'm like, I, I literally want to put this in your bank. Yeah. Please do not charge me $30 a month to put this in your bank. Yeah. Why Why do you do that? I don't want to pay you $30 just to hold it for me. Right. So in the end, I had to jump through all these, like, hoops to be able to yeah. do the things. And the exchange rate and all oh, the rest yeah. of it. Like, and they take money. Uh, it's just a nightmare. Yes. Yeah. All the hidden fees yeah. and Venmo. Though. I got some, go. <laughs> I got some backdoor hints. If anyone needs help with that, yeah. I can help you. But yeah, so I, um, my uncle owns a practice here, uh, an orthodontic pra mm -hmm. practice called Orthodontic Associates. And so my first eight-ish months here, I worked as a dental assistant, mm -hmm. and that's like I got training on the job and really cool yeah. and it's something that like a trade that you can take with you really anywhere you yeah. go so I'm really thankful I still it's my side hustle I still mm -hmm. do it on the side um, so really grateful I got to do that but then in that process I met one person who introduced me to another person and then I met a man named Peter Evans and I was able to work for the police athletic league and up until that point truly I did not like Oklahoma Yeah, and I 
a part of me, like I'm kind of a spiritual person or I am a spiritual person. And so part of me is like, you have to really give it a go. All right. Like be real honest about it's not going to be Australia. You're expecting it to be the same and it's not going to be the same. You need to give it like a real go. Eight months is not a real go, you know, especially only like three months, really at the three month Mm -hmm. mark, getting a car and yeah, you need to be a job and all those things, you know, like not really living. Yeah. And so I was living with my grandma and bless her so much for that. And, uh, yeah, I met Peter Evans and got this job and it just opened a whole world of Oklahoma city that I did not know existed. People who think more like me, uh, people who value people the way that I do and just the networking I was able, like even being a part of loyal, uh, uh, is all done through the police athletically. Really? It's, it's what really opened the door for me. So it was almost like the perfect fit then from what you've done in Australia, working with all these groups and founding stuff and just being engaged with and helping as much as possible. This is the perfect thing that transitioned. It's super synergistic for me. Yeah. Just coming totally natural to you Mm. because you've done it you know, in a different country for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it was almost like it was like created for me. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird thing. And so I've been here now for about a year and a half, yeah. you know, ish. And as I say, like, if I had not got this job, I can't say that I'd still be in Oklahoma city. Mm-hmm. Um, through, through this job, uh, interestingly enough, I met a woman called Liz Cromwell Um, my best friend here. She is a bit older than me, but has a very similar story to me and lived in a foreign country for a long time, moved back. And so I met her at a networking thing through like one of the chambers, right? And I was like, man, she's really cool. I, I like, again, spiritual human. If I get like vibing with someone, I'm sorry, it's over. Game over. I will make you. We are best friends. You are now (laughs) going to be in my circle. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. And it's like, man, she's super cool. I love her energy. Like, I need to get to know her. If 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 nothing more than colleague level, mm-hmm. cool. But I, like, need to know her. Yeah. And so we arranged to have this uh, coffee. And we we meet at this, at Hatch up north by Topgolf. And we're sitting there. And she's like, so how are you? I'm like, you know, like, super iceberg. Right. I'm okay. You know, yeah. just started my job. And she, like, looks at me. And she's like, no, how are you really? Because I'm pretty sure it's coming up on a year of you being back in the States. And I know what that feels like. And I just wanted to know how you really are. And I was like, oh, my God. She sees me. She gets me. She sees me. I'm, like, being seen. And I just, like, teared up. It's like it's this weird feeling of, of, like, not belonging in Australia, but not belonging here. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like I'm floating in this in-between space where I don't really know where I belong. Right. And people here expect you like, this is your home. Like it's, but it's like a culture shock. I mean, I get, I still get anxiety going to the grocery store. Like it's mm-hmm. like a lot to take in. I used to live in a place where the grocery stores close at 8 PM yeah. and now everything's open 24 seven and there's a hundred choices to choose from. Like, dude, can I just have an A or B option? Like, yeah. I, I, I mean, it really kind of freaked me out for a while. I mean, to this day, really, it, yeah. it still does. But I'll never, I can never really give her enough credit for that moment because she really kind of saved me mm-hmm. and gave me space to be, to be that in that free floating 
yeah. middle land and, uh, and process. She gave me that sounding board to process stuff and just feel like I did belong here. And so, yeah, like here I am, I yeah. guess, you know, doing the best I can like everyone else. So for people who don't know, what is the police athletic league and what do you guys do? Like what, so what are your day-to-day stuff? We're a nonprofit, mm-hmm. but we run the program in conjunction with the police department under what's called PCR, mm-hmm. and really that's community relations. And so our main function is to get our police officers um, around our young people and, and, and mentoring at a mentoring capacity. Mm-hmm. Our mission is literally cops helping kids succeed. Yeah. And so what I do on a pre-COVID, right? Yeah. Like, what I typically do is run uh, sports programs. And so we do football, seven-on-seven football, volleyball, basketball, cheer, soccer, and now esports. Mm-hmm. Esports has been a total pivot or, or introduction into our programming because right. of COVID. Yeah. And a really great one, I'll, I'll say Oh, that. it's, I mean, you can get scholarships to do esports yes. now, which is insane. I told that to someone the other day, and they thought I had four heads. I said, no, 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 somebody <laughs> can get a scholarship to go to school to become an esports star. Yes. Like, there's people out there that do that. Yes, I mean. Which is amazing. I mean, two of our kiddos, high school kiddos we work with, are in conversations with universities. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is a real thing. It's a real thing. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And I, a part of us sort of selling that program as an educational piece to the public or as an awareness, you know, yeah. to the public is, um, you know, this space is here right. and it's only going to grow and either we can be at the forefront of it and provide yeah. programming and, and kind of like the grassroots or like foundations of that. So they have exposure to it early on Yeah. or we're going to be way behind the eight, the eight ball. hundred percent. And so, you know, one of our officers here is named Sergeant Pena and he's done a really good job of getting that program one selling it to us because initially as an athlete myself man i think it's counterproductive to what we're trying to do you know we want our kids to be active and but then i started thinking about like well really what do our sports do really our sports are like a vehicle for change really they're they're like the carrot right it's Mm -hmm. it's more of a character piece and character building yeah and then the sport is just like the cherry on top fun part yeah. yeah And like, so esports has totally been the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a really great addition to our programming. We actually have a esports fundraiser coming up, a tournament, a Rocket League tournament at the end of March. So it should be really fun to yeah. do all that. Yeah. So you've gone from, I mean, this, this is awesome. I love it. Gone to Australia for a, a very long time, lived in Australia up and down, got married, uh, you know, the whole thing like that's that's a lot of life experience for a 30 year old it's crazy when i first moved back here yeah um this is gonna get kind of deep okay stay with me stay with people me people listening you ready <laughs> stay with me <laughs> um but was this concept of of, of death right yeah. and um it's a little bit taboo people don't really want to talk about it even though in this life we're really only guaranteed death and taxes yeah daniel caesar my man and um talking about it like with my grandma because she's approaching sure. the later years of her life she's 82 so it is an inevitable part of her reality and lots of her friends around her are dying and so as a young person it gives me a lot of perspective mm-hmm. and I remember just when I first moved back here being in the car with my aunt and my grandma and we're talking about this and I remember saying you know I've lived a whole life in 30 years 
Like if it's my time now, I'd gladly welcome death. Like I've, yeah. I have lived. And I think that whole fear around death really only exists when we don't live. 100%. When we are yeah. too scared to... Take the dive take, take or the whatever. Take the leap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And go try something that you... The last thing you want to do is regret, right? You don't want to get to 70, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old and be like, I should have done this, 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 and this. I mean, what's the worst can happen, right? Just try it. Try something. I know it's like ultra cliche to say that. Like, it is. No regrets. But it's not, right. Not even a letter. But... Uh, Come on, you've seen Where the Millers, right? Uh, not for a long time. Oh, man. He gets that tattoo, and it spells regrets. Oh, uh, regrets, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, seriously, I, I know that's super cliche, but I really, really do try to live my life that way. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, while I was in Australia, I, I got to go to, I went to Bali. I traveled a lot. I, I mean, mm. I went to New Zealand and Bali and Japan even. I, I stayed in Japan for a week by myself. Any young people listening, I'd really encourage you to travel alone because, I mean... It's safer than you think. Especially... Japan is really safe. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak if for every country. If you're smart about it, let's just say that. But, man, right. I, I mean, I woke up in my, like, hostel hotel... Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's like this really quaint little Japanese home. You weren't sleeping in a cubicle, were you? Like some of the movies and the Japanese stuff. Like, oh, I'll no. take a hotel and it's literally but a it's cubicle. Like the cube. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, so I did stay in one hostel that okay. was like that. I'm not going to lie. So it's a stack of cubes. And you're like, okay, yours is like second our, on the left, our, third from the top. Yes. Yes. That's a real thing. Okay. I did stay oh, in one of those. Yeah. But I, I traveled to uh, Fuji Yoshida. Mm-hmm which is really at the base of, like, Mount Fuji. Yeah. And uh, I stayed in this, like, little home, and I had had really my own space there. And in the morning, she you had a choice of this breakfast or this breakfast, and she prepared it for you there. Yeah. So cool. But I would, like, wake up and jog up to this, like, summit area, and I can look directly across, and I can see the whole thing of Mount Fuji. And it's just, there's really no words, man, Do you have a for climate? that. I didn't get to because no. it wasn't safe at that time that I was there. Okay. I know. That was what I really wanted yeah. to do, but it wasn't safe. Sick. I know. My, yeah. I have a friend who did, and she said it was badass, yeah. but I didn't get to do that. Such an awesome thing. This, I'm, I'm sure there's a ton more stuff that we, we haven't unpacked that's just there, but yeah, you're right. Like For a 30-year-old, you've seen a lot of the world, have a lot of perspective, and I get now why... You know, you you felt comfortable talking to a lot of people at the age of 18 because it's now, you know, I mean, even 12 years later, like, I'm sure you do it every day or you get the opportunity to do it regularly, even if it's through Zoom. Like, you have a perspective and the the way that you can convey that perspective because you've been around the world to impact others and help others. That's that's really cool to see. And I can see the passion in you, the way that you talk about it. Your eyes light up. Like, you love it, you know? I love people, man. That's the truth. I think... Uh, the way I want to move through the life is through my life Mm -hmm. is any person I interact with I want them to feel seen Mm -hmm. because I know what that feels like and I know how powerful it is and I any person I'm talking like the person experiencing homelessness on the street or the dude behind the counter serving me coffee I mean every person needs to feel dignified Mm -hmm. and feel seen and heard and valued and so outside of even my professional life, just me as a person, I want to move through the world that way. Yeah. I think it's impactful and important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So 
I'll ask you this for the last question. For the next 30 years of your life, what do you want to do? What do you want to see? You know, you know if we sit down in 30 years and, and like, what is your legacy that you want to leave? It's really interesting you asked me that. Someone asked me a five-year question mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. And I think my answer is unchanged in that uh, as long as I totally subscribe to the John Lennon thing of, of happiness, mm-hmm. uh, not as a destination, really, but as like a, a state of being. I think it's hard. You get trapped in that, like, what's next? What's next? You know, always trying to seek that next thing that's going to appease you for the moment. I'm not interested in that. That's fleeting. I'm interested in, like, real peace and, and balance in my life and being able to share that. I think when when you become that, you liberate others to do the same. And so that's really what I want to do. And mm-hmm. whether whatever profession that looks like, I have no idea. Yeah. And in 30 years, I have no idea. But I know... What I want for myself and what I hope for myself is to stay hungry on my journey and just always be open and honest and just be be myself, just yeah. be authentic. Because yeah. again, I think if, if you can be open and honest, it allows others the space to do the same. And then we don't have all this like insecurities around like yeah. our identities and who we are. And dude, nobody knows. We're all on a journey. And my journey is gonna look different to yours. Mm-hmm. And where I'm at is gonna be different to where you're at doesn't make it wrong or right. Yeah. I just wish more people would appreciate their process and understand that that's what it is. It's yeah. a process. No one has it figured out. Nobody, you are not alone. Nobody has it figured <laughs> Nobody out. Nobody does. Yeah. Have a beer, kick your feet up, you know, smell the roses a bit sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, for everyone listening, how can they, if they're listening to this and they think, you know, something sounds very familiar, how would they reach out? I'd say my phone line is open all the time. Okay. 405-906-9450. You want to have a coffee? Just have a chat? Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I love that. I'm here for all of it. Yeah. Uh, or you can just text me if you're not really a face-to-face person, and we can do the whole email thing if you feel like. But yeah. phone number is a good starting point. Awesome. Well, Brittany, thanks so much for your time. This has been, uh, this has been a powerful hour. This is really good. Power hour, baby! Power hour, yeah. Thanks so much for sharing. This uh, yeah. This is real. And, um, you know, for everyone listening, I'll post uh, Brittany's number down below and all the links to her social media as well if you want to reach out through that. But, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.